tell me your story. How did you end up in Stanford? A young 20-something-year-old cashier clerk was ringing up my grocery items at the new organic market that had opened in town. I was surprised and caught off by his question because who asks to tell you their story, especially at a grocery store where you're rushing in and out? Well, I explained to him that I came to Stanford because of my job. And he asked, well, what do you do for a living? And I told him that I worked at a church. He looked intrigued and asked, how did that happen? <laughs> and so I told him a very short, condensed version of how I was searching for my purpose and my identity in my 20s, struggled with anxiety and depression, and that God met with me during that time and changed the trajectory of my life, which including my career path. Now, by this time, a line had formed behind me, but the cashier <laughs> didn't seem to mind. He was captivated by my story. Now, starting today, we're launching a new sermon series titled The Greatest Story, where we will hear various stories throughout Scripture that points to the greatest story ever told, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in today's sermon, which is titled Except for These Chains, we're looking at the story of Paul in Acts 26. He had been in prison in Caesarea for two years after being falsely accused by Jewish leaders in Jerusalem of starting a revolt against Rome. He gets transferred from court to court as he's having to defend himself until he finally appeals to Caesar. Governor Festus of Judea is perplexed by Paul's case. He doesn't know what to do with him because there's no substantial evidence to support any of his claims. So when King Agrippa comes to town to visit Festus, Agrippa decides to hear Paul's case for himself. He was a man who was familiar with Jewish custom as he held power over their religious affairs concerning the temple and even had authority to appoint the high priest. Now, King Agrippa was the great-grandson of Herod the Great, who tried to kill Jesus as an infant. And he was the son of Herod Agrippa I, who killed the apostle James and imprisoned Peter. Imagine having to defend yourself in, someone, in front of someone like King Agrippa, who came from a lineage of rulers that persecuted Christians. Well, that's exactly what Paul did in Acts 26. Scripture says that along with Agrippa and Festus, the military tribune and all the prominent men of the city were gathered in the auditorium. All the movers and the shakers of that day were there to hear Paul's case. That would be like the politicians, the celebrities, and all the influential leaders coming together. Paul had a grand audience. But instead of focusing on defending his innocence, he seizes the opportunity to tell the story of his conversion. Paul says, I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I chased after Christians. I sentenced them to death and I threw them into prison. I was so convinced that I was doing God and my fellow Jews a favor by persecuting these Christians. But boy, was I deceived. One day on the road to Damascus, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone around me and those who were with me. And we all fell to the ground at the brilliance of that light. And I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Now, for those of you that have your Bibles open, or if you don't, you can follow along the screen. Do you see that word goad in verse 14? Do you know what a goad is? Because I sure didn't when I first read it. 
Well, I discovered that a goad is a spiked stick that farmers use to get stubborn animals to move in a different direction. You know, I think God really has a sense of humor here. He's basically referring to Paul as like a stubborn cow or a mule, and he's poking him with a stick to get him to move in a different direction than the one he's on. Is there any one of you that would like to use a goat on someone that you know? Well, you can include that in your prayer time now. God, go get him with your goat. But that's essentially what God did with Paul, see? The glory of God knocked him to the ground, and he came to his senses, and he realized that he had been wrong, and that Jesus was the way and the truth and the light. His encounter with God completely changed the trajectory of his life and mission. And just like Paul, those of us that came to faith also have a similar story. It may not have been as dramatic as Paul's conversion, but we too have a story of how God got a hold of us and how it changed our lives. For some of us, it may have been similar to Paul, where we resisted and fought against God and Christianity, but then something happened and we got radically saved. For others of us, it may have been a more gradual process of recognizing who Jesus was and what he's done for us on the cross. But regardless of how it transpired, each one of us has a story to tell. And in the church, we call that a testimony. A Christian testimony is typically comprised of three things. First, it is a story of our life before Jesus. Second, it is our encounter with Jesus. And third, it is our life after meeting Jesus. Can you remember a time before you met Christ? What it was like when you met him? And how that changed your life? Now, I just want to add here that our testimonies may not always be as straightforward and linear like the three components I just mentioned. Sometimes God can appear to us time and time again before we even decide to follow him. And it could take years before we even see fruit of his transforming work in our lives. But there is such power in telling our testimony because it points people to the greater story of the gospel. It's the evidence of the gospel at work in our lives and how God makes himself real to us. Each one of us has a testimony to share, but at times we may find ourselves being forgetful or we hold back out of fear of what people may think, the fear of being criticized, rejected, or even losing our jobs and relationships. And this fear is a real obstacle because all of those things can happen when we tell people about Jesus. Before the most powerful people in the city, Paul, in chains, boldly proclaimed the gospel and the impact that it had on his life. And here was the response of those who heard him, starting in verse 24. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. You know, there's nothing like being told you're crazy when you tell people that you're a Christian. 
Have any of you experienced ridicule or skepticism or received strange looks from people when you told them what you believe? I know I have, for my own family members, no less. The gospel may sound bizarre to the world, but the Bible reassures us that we are not out of our minds, but what we believe is true and rational. In fact, Paul says that God's plan for salvation is something that you could clearly trace throughout history in the Old Testament, which was fulfilled in Jesus. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, but who would believe it? I mean, if men like Festus and Agrippa didn't believe Paul's words, how can I convince anyone? Well, that's the beauty of telling people your testimony. It's one thing to talk about salvation and resurrection as a concept, but if you tell people how God saved you and how he made himself known to you, the gospel becomes accessible for non-believers. And ultimately, it's not our persuasive words or how much Bible and theology we know that's going to bring people to Christ, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. Paul says in verse 22, to this day, I have had help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. When you testify about Jesus to the people around you, the Holy Spirit will use your ordinary words to accomplish extraordinary things. He's the one that's going to breathe life into your story for those who are listening. And their response after hearing it is between them and God. It is not our responsibility to save or convince anyone to believe in Jesus. Only the Spirit can do that as he brings truth, revelation, and conviction of sin. But we are called to tell the story, and we must not let fear or apathy keep us from telling people about Jesus. For the gospel is worth telling, and Jesus is worth proclaiming. So as I've been preaching about the power of testimony, I thought it would be appropriate to share with you one of my own. As a child, I was a sad, timid, lonely little girl. For as long as I could remember, I struggled with thoughts of fear, doubt, and insecurity. I never thought that I was good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, strong enough, capable enough to be accepted and loved. I did not like who I was. It was so bad in my adolescent years that I refused to let anyone take pictures of me. If you look back in my albums, there's a gap somewhere between middle school and college where you can hardly find any photographs of me. I was an emotionally wounded child that came from an emotionally hurting family. My first encounter with God happened when I was four years old. My parents were in the middle of one of their fights, and I felt invisible. I ran into my room and hid underneath the covers 
I felt scared, rejected, and alone. But at that moment, I felt someone holding me and saying, I am with you. Psalm 68 verse 6 says that God sets the lonely in families. And I felt that that was true of me. Even when no one else saw me, the God of this whole universe saw this sad, lonely little girl in a room, and he made himself known. Now, I wish I could say that as soon as I received Jesus into my life, that everything changed and I never struggled with fear and insecurity ever again. But in reality, our faith journeys are never that clear-cut and linear. Our lives can get pretty messy, but Jesus is willing to enter into our mess. Fast forward, I was 23 years old, and I was at the lowest point of my life. I was going through physical health challenges. I gave up on my dream and dropped out of med school. I felt like a complete failure in life, and I was suffering from anxiety and depression. I was crying day and night, and for months, it felt like I was in this dark prison cell with no hope. I was so desperate to find a way out that one day I flew out to Kansas City to visit a ministry that was experiencing spiritual renewal and revival at the time. And God met with me. On the last night that I was there, one of the leaders gave an altar call for anyone that was struggling with fear and self-hatred. And about 90% of the crowd came up for prayer. <laughs> I was one of them. So I stood up there, and that same leader stood in front of me. He looked at me and he said, God thinks you're amazing. He thinks you're beautiful and smart, and he's so proud of you, and he loves you. As soon as he said that, you know what I was thinking? I thought to myself, well, yeah, God's going to say that. <laughs> I mean, what parent tells their kid that they're stupid and ugly, right? But deep down, I thought, no, I know that's not really true. He was silent for a moment, and then he spoke up again. Even now in your mind, you're thinking it's not true, but God says that it is. <laughs> well, I completely lost it at that point. It's God, it's God, he hears my thoughts. And I just started bawling and bawling. That night, God met with me in a powerful way, and he set me free from fear and depression. Just like that song that we sang earlier, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. That became true of me. Now, fast forward now, I'm in ministry, and I'm doing things that I never thought I'd be doing, like preaching in front of you all today. But that doesn't mean that I don't struggle with thoughts of fear and insecurity from time to time, because I'm still a work in progress. But God, being the author and perfecter of my faith, continues to write my story. And he writes the best stories. I can confidently say that I am no longer that sad, timid, lonely little girl with a broken heart. But I am a daughter of the Most High God who is boldly proclaiming to you today that Jesus is alive 
and his love has the power to set us free. Hallelujah. Praise God. Every single one of us here has a story to tell. And when God's story intersects with our story, that's a picture of the gospel coming to life. So I invite you to think about your testimony. It could be the story of how you came to faith. It could be a time when God answered a prayer or delivered you from a tough situation. Can you look back and remember a time when God moved? But maybe there are some of you here and you're not really sure if you've ever have a testimony or if you've met with God. And if that's the case, it is never too late. Every testimony begins somewhere. And today could be your day where your story with God begins. And if that's you, simply ask God to reveal himself to you. The pastor and the elders will be available here to pray with you after the service. As I look around this room, and if I combine it with those of you that are joining us from home, there are over hundreds of stories gathered in this one place. What would happen if we started telling people our stories? Paul, who was one man, told his story again and again and again until it became a global movement called Christianity. And we all got to benefit from him telling his story. As I look around this room, I see a couple hundred storytellers who can potentially change the world just by telling their story like Paul did. So I invite you today, as you walk out from this place, I want to release that storyteller in you. Go and ask somebody to share their testimony and then share yours. Go and tell your story again and again to the world, for the gospel is worth telling and Jesus is worth proclaiming. Thanks be to God.